1: Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm Cam Luke, Mitch Cleary, Adam Cooney, and we are the Armchair Experts. Sorry, Trade God. TG is in the house, not TB7, TG17. Hashtag Armchair Experts to get involved at 7 AFL. Patrick Lipinski, now a pie, pick 43, but there's a hell of a lot to still happen before it's all said and done in just under 48 hours' time. I'm going to go to UTG in a moment. I'm going to go to Mitch Cleary, who I believe... He's had a big day in the Seven Newsroom. We'll get to his Mason Cox talk very shortly. Rory Lobb on the agenda. Hello, Mitch. Hello,
2: Cam. I finally picked myself up off the canvas, tried to get around our fellow armchair expert during the day, Adam Cooney. (laughs) Tried to give him some support. He was overlooked in the list of best five number one draft picks today. And finally, I've been able to reunite with him tonight after being left
0: uh, hanging all day. Not my time of year, this. It is not my time of year because uh, generally my mega trades don't go down that well. Uh, This is some sort of feedback. But I did hear Matthew Lloyd put some putrid list together of top (laughs) five draft picks of all time. He had Lockie Whitfield in there, honestly. He may have had an (laughs) All-Australian, but he never even got near winning a Brownlow. And Sam Walsh has played for about 15 minutes, and he's put him ahead of me. But I did fire back on Trade Radio this afternoon. I did a list of uh, top 18 full forwards of all time, and I just couldn't find a place for Lordo in there.
1: Hashtag chair experts to get involved. My particularly favourite fun moment today, day outside of that was you, of course, using Bobby Hill's real name and then getting mm. abused for people <laughs>
0: asking, who the hell is Ian Hill? <laughs> yeah, I, I copped it all day. People saying, this guy doesn't even know the AFL players' names. Well, and I said, he's Bobby when he kicks snags and he's Ian when he gets traded. So he's <laughs> Ian at the moment. Said a, said a month ago that he was fully committed to the GWS Giants. That was when he was Bobby. Now that he's Ian, he's out. Well,
1: on him, he may still be at the Giants. We're not sure. Still a fair bit to play out for obvious reasons. But it looks like, Mitch, that Rory Lobb will not be back at the Giants. Looks like that deal is dead. That's, of course, from Colin Young, his manager. He, said, he sent a late-night email out last night around 9.30 and said, let's forget this. Of oh, course, rent. famously, one of my favorite moments is Mitch Cleary on the red carpet, as it used to be known, on the last day of trade interviewing Colin Young as he was dressed in skins, to say that the <laughs> Cap'n McCarthy deal isn't happening as well. Is Rory oh, Love no. dead 100%, Mitch, or do you think there's still a flicker of hope?
2: There's still a flicker of hope. There always is until the final day of the deadline, Cam. I think the Charlie Cameron one that Colin Young oversaw himself was on and off three or four times in the last 48 hours. So you never say never. But as we spoke about, I think, on this show last week, it was always going to be the money for Rory Love that was the stumbling block here. He's on 700 grand a year by two over the next two seasons. And the Dockers didn't want to stump up any of it. And the Giants didn't have the room in their salary cap to fit. So it was always going to be a struggle to get it done. Uh, They're going to see if there's any other suitors out there for him. But it looks like at this stage, Rory Glob goes back to the Dockers. And Adam, you always talk at this time of the year about players, you know, how they go back to their club and do they have their tail between their legs? I reckon this is a case of real tail between your legs, Rory Glob. He's tried to get out, hasn't. And now he has to go back and see his teammates.
0: Well, he's 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 not completely out yet. So not not until the uh, the deal breaking skins come out for Colin Young do we completely write the deal off. So there's still hope for Rory Lobb. So the the issue, if you're a player, is so they GWS were willing to stretch out the deal, but obviously you have got to stretch out the money over four years. So if you're a player, if I'm Rory Lobb, thinking. I'm going to be earning 700 grand for the next two years. I'll back myself in to play well when I'm coming out of contract and then I'll earn my extra money and extra years off the back of that. So he did want the deal. The four-year deal was was apparently offered, but also you've got to split that cash up. So I can understand Rory Lobb and his frustrations because he's going to get that money no matter what over the next two years. And if he does go tail between the legs um, walking back into the Fremantle Footy Club, I, I think most parties are mature enough now to be get, to, to be able to get along with it. I, I don't know what Rory Lobb. Personalities like. If it's anything like the Josh Dunkley situation, he just walks in and everyone puts their arms around him and he plays some good footy. And hopefully that's the case for Frio.
1: I think this is great for Frio. Like, I I understand if they were going to bring – we spoke about this last week. If they were able to get his money off the books and and bring, like, a a really good midfielder in, it's going to be probably hard to find a key forward to replace him or at least play that similar position. Okay, I'm okay with that. If it was a Tom Mitchell or an O'Meara or if it was a Lockie Neal, which – of course, was was up and then shot down about a month ago. But it's exactly what Fremantle need. The position he was going to play at the Giants is the exact position that Fremantle need him to play next year. He needs to go back, go inside 50. Sean Darcy is, of course, your dominant big man in the middle of the ground. That that developing midfield, Nat Fife inside 50 we spoke about. But this allows him to play more of that midfield position. I, I think this is great for Fremantle. I know it's not the perfect situation when you're suggest that maybe a player's on the way out. But next thing you know, if he's back at your football club, we've seen it happen all the time. I think fans get way more sensitive about these things than than what players do. Like, I'm sure he might get a a ribbing or two when he goes back. But we've seen Joe Danaher do it a couple of years ago, go back and, well, it didn't work. His body obviously didn't allow it to to happen as much. He went and played some okay footy when he got on the park for the Bombers. You mentioned Dunkley there. Now, Ryan O'Keefe went back and won a Norm Smith in a premiership team like going back a decade when he wanted to go to Hawthorne. So they're professional athletes, and I think it's a good thing for Fremantle.
2: The only thing on Rory Lobb is he's on two by 700. If he had to take in that Giants deal, he may have been able to, so it's 1.4 million for the next two years. If he had to be able to extend that closer to $2 million, he may have got his better earning potential now. In saying that, Adam, when when players hit their 30s, 30, 31, they don't sign massive deals. So maybe it was a chance to, that's why you see a free agency, you know, when they're 26, 27 signing these six or seven year deals to cash in well, they can. When he becomes that 30-31 player and he's next out of contract, it may be harder for him to earn the, the money, the Giants' band, but it may have been able to get to even with the, the deal smoothed out.
0: Yeah, he's going to have to have a really good year um, in 2023 for him to earn uh, anything north of sort of 400 grand. So maybe the Fremantle Dockers obviously saw uh, in the last three years that the potential that he hasn't lived up to and were willing to move him on there. So say you're saying, cam it could be a good thing for Fremantle. Well, maybe they've worked out that. He's just not that good a player, and they're willing to move him on. But the the issue, obviously, um, is that the sticking point is money, but isn't it? You could argue he's already cashed in. But he has already cashed in. He's he's on seven hundred
1: thousand dollars a year. Oh, he's, he's cashed his, in. There's no troubles. From Rory Lobb was when he left the Giants. You know what I mean? That's that's when he cashed in. So if you, if you look at that, you're right. He's going to he'll, he'll get another AFL contract somewhere in the league once this is all said and done in a couple of years. It may not be anywhere near the cash he's on now, but. He's already on decent-sized cash, which is the reason he's not going to end up at the Giants. Hashtag amateur experts to get involved at 7 AFL. Just quickly, Mason Cox looks like he's just, a just similar type of player here. Of course, I old stats trade guy, here went with the, the comparison last week. but mm-hmm. It looks like with Max Lynch requesting a trade officially to Hawthorne tonight that uh, Mason Cox is going to get a bit of a repeat, Mitch. Is that
2: right? Well, this ruck merry-go-round, can. there's been talks late this afternoon. Uh, we spoke about it on, on 7 News tonight. I think everyone's just sort of haggling whether it's a pick in the 40s or 50s that gets Darcy Fort from Geelong to Brisbane, John Segler to take his spot at Geelong from the Hawks, and then Max Lynch will get from Collingwood to Hawthorne. That deal's been in the works for some time. But I just look at now Collingwood and the talk around Mason Cox. They've got Brody Grundy. They've got Darcy Cameron. They've got Aidan Begg, who's a youngster, 9, 10-year-old. He, he's not... Ready to shoulder the ruckload at AFL level, I think this is a good sign now for Mason Cox that he could get a career lifeline at his at his original club Collingwood. I think he's looked around. His management, uh, Liam Pickering, have sort of scoured the market to see what else is out there. But I think Mason Cox's best chance right now appears to be
1: uh, right now in black and white. Well, let's see from a stablemate of Mason Cox. Do they share the manager? What what's the scuttlebutt around the water cooler with your management team, Adam?
0: I haven't spoken to um, my manager, Liam Pickering, since I signed my deal eight, eight months ago. <laughs> so all, all I get from him each month is an invoice.
1: I'm
0: not across what's happening with old mate picks at the moment.
1: I, he just has to, they, they just have to find a way to play him predominantly as a forward, right? As a ruckman, sorry. He's not a forward, right? So too often he's been inside 50 and hasn't quite worked. So if they can find that right balance to back up Rody Grundy, and if Grundy goes to that next level and he's that, bash around the ground and not necessarily wanting to go forward and be your man out of the goal square as they try and develop other players. There is no doubt he's got some AFL footy left in him. I think the standard has dropped. The best and worst thing that happened to Mason Cox, and we've spoken about this many times, Adam, is that The worst worst
0: thing that's happened to him.
1: No, it's not not the the worst because he stood up on the biggest stage in front of 100,000 people and got his team into a grand final. But it has, it did set that standard of which people expected that to happen on a regular basis. And I, I think that was an unfair standard of which he set for himself. So it was the best thing? Yes. But it was also the worst thing because people expected it every week. He's he's not in Craig McRae's best team. I think Darcy Cameron's
2: Agreed. become – he's come on as a really good forward ruck option behind Brody Grundy. But if Mason Cox is prepared to play for less, he's on about 400 500000 this year in the final year of a contract he triggered given he, he played those games. But if he's happy to cop less to say Collingwood as their backup ruckman, there's not many better backup ruckman, you know, third or fourth stringers in the AFL. They're going to need someone. It may as well be Mason Cox rather than try and find someone out of the state leagues.
1: He, as long as he's
0: happy to, mm. as, as long as he's happy and knows that that's his lot in life, because I agree, you can't and, and he probably would be a better roaming ruckman than spending some time forward. The issue is Brody Grundy wants to play 85% ruck and he's not a great forward. So that that leaves him with no room to move, really. And Darcy Cameron's a a more natural forward, I think, than Mason Cox. But it all depends. I mean, Craig McRae's game style might be completely different. They might move the footy a bit quicker and put it into a really predictable spot where Mason can actually run and jump at the footy. Because we've seen it at times. If he gets a launch at the ball and he takes it at his highest point, then there's not too many that can stop him. The issue is it happens once or twice a game where he clunks those big grabs. It needs to get to, say, 10, 12, 15 of those contests and then start marking it five or six times inside 50 each game to be more consistent.
1: Adam, you've been steadfast on the fact that North Melbourne shouldn't trade pick number one. And well, I to, firstly, I want to applaud both Richmond the best and kid in the country, for having a real crack. Richmond and Adelaide are like, you know what, stuff it. We think this kid is incredible. And North Melbourne clearly believe it as well and said, Adelaide and Richmond are probably the two teams who are best in the position to have that decent crack and and try and ease it out. North Melbourne has stood up and said, not a chance in hell are we one. We're not even going to bid on Dacos because we want our man to be the number one pick and we're going to show him the the love and and say, hey, you know what? You're going to be the footy club. It's interesting to see what happens next, right? Because we mentioned this last week. When you are so big on this kid, I know it sounds ridiculous, but you, you almost have to give him a really... Not, not just a three or four years straight off the bat. Give him five and say, there you go, mate. We have backed you in to this. Even if you give the old, you know, Josh Kelly, Andrew Gaff type of deal and say, all right, here's your, here's your rookie deal. This is what's on the table from years four to seven. And it is a ridiculous number. But if you're going to absolutely be steadfast, that you don't want to even think about what's getting offered to you, you've got to back your bloke in to be your guy straight up because the conversations will come. And you know an Adam. That will come at some point that if you get yourself to be a pre-agent or 12 months out of contract, not this similar right now to what's happening with Ben King, the questions will come.
0: I think it's more the pre-agent stuff than homesickness. And we saw Brodie Grundy mm-hmm. and others have, have used it as leverage when negotiating with a deal. I, was, I wanted to go home um, back to South Australia. My first year, week. I was pretty oh. homesick. Yeah, well that, you know, the first week I was really bad. I nearly cried myself to sleep every night. But after that, I found once I started playing senior footy, then I actually enjoyed and in the Melbourne lifestyle a lot more. And then when it came time to about three to six months um, of my contract being up, that's when I started to feel a little bit homesick until I got that deal done and then all of a sudden I didn't want to go home again. So players can use it quite well in terms of that leverage. So, But Horn Francis, I'd give him a five-year deal. Um, straight straight off. Say, with you.
1: To
0: that, and say, you, I promise you, you'll love your time in Melbourne if you yep. spend five years here. And hopefully the Kangaroos are uh, in finals contention but, in five years' time. But that's the thing, Mitch, right? If you're going to say
1: no to every single massive audacious, almost a godfather deal, and I think Richmond's was a lot better than what uh, came from Adelaide. I thought Richmond's was, was huge, to so at least make them think about it. They haven't thought about it. You've mm. got to extend that and give yourself plenty of time. You've packed your guy in. Off field, back him on field to stay at Arden Street. He'll be fine it,
2: once he starts playing senior footy. The drink cards don't get given to the reserves players, Adam. They, they get given to the senior right. players. He'll be fine once he Good gets call. in their game. And the North Melbourne Footy Club have got ample salary cap room. What I expect yeah. him to do this summer is go with Taran Thomas, Jai Simpkin, Cam Zerha, and plonk as much money as that into the next couple of seasons. And then when uh, Jason Horn Francis's contract comes out of uh, – after his initial two years that's locked in at draft level – uh, they'll be able to go bang and offer him good cash for his third, fourth, fifth, sixth year, whatever it might be. The interesting part of this now, Cam, I think North Melbourne had to bid, sorry, had to take Jason Horn francis It means Collingwood, the kid that they're going to take with uh, pick number two, uh, Nick Dacos, is going to have that bid placed on him by the pick they had in the Greater Western <laughs> Giants at pick two. It's going to be a nice oh, little yeah. symmetry when it comes to the draft.
1: I actually, we we look back 12 months ago to what happened with Collingwood and I think you accurately described it today on Twitter as a fire sale. And both from the moment they lost to Geelong, in fact, from the first three minutes against Geelong, he smacked them almost from the outset in that second week of the finals. For most of this year, with everything that happened, it's been a horrid time for it. They They have done a pretty good job this off season to be able to give some optimism to their fans compared to last year where their fans were burning social media because they were so disappointed. They're going to get their kid. They're going to get their kid. And they got a couple of good kids out of what happened 12 months ago. But the irony is they would have got another kid and Dacos yep. this particular year, which, which well, is just the would, way it's worked out. I would have
2: loved to have seen if North Melbourne bid on him. If they had picked one, what Collingwood would have done to get that pick one, knowing that it would have been a bit different. I reckon North Melbourne's decision might have been a little bit more difficult had Collingwood been in that second slot. I think we all know that, uh, that they're going to match it anyway, but it uh, would have been fascinating to see had Collingwood actually finished with that pick two holder in their grasp, what the Roos would have done.
1: Hey, look, seriously, what the hell's going on at Hawthorne, Mitch? Like, legitimately, yeah. I, I like what they're doing, and they're trying to blow it up a little bit, and not just going to stand still and, and go forward when it comes to under Sam Mitchell. But Ted Wingard, obviously, Giants were obviously keen, and I love the fact that Wingard just was watching a nice movie and, threw it up on Instagram. I, I love that type of personality. But what do Hawthorne do in this situation? Are they, are they going to move on anyone? I don't think they're going to move on anyone. That's on Twitter today, Cam. It's not a
2: fire sale. These guys mm. have got salary cap room. So last year with Adam Treloar, Collingwood had to get him off their books. They had no choice because they were tied at, the, at the brim in terms of their salary cap. The Hawks can pay these guys whatever right now. They can pay them their contracts. So it's really the motives right now for Hawthorne are they need salary cap. Uh, they've got salary cap. They need draft picks. And right now, they've got to sit back and wait for a team to come hard with, with options for their for their draft picks. If that's not forthcoming, they just stay. I think it's pretty simple. I don't think Hawthorne need to be driving these guys out because they don't need to, to get rid of them. All they need is a good offer to come in, and the Hawks don't want to be driving them out. They may as well sit back and wait for the best offer.
0: So the way I see it is this is being driven by a new coach coming in and realising that this club is going to be bottom two, bottom three next year and trying to improve straight away. Well, and which I don't mind. I don't mind the philosophy of doing it. So if Sam Mitchell can say, says, look, we're going to have to make some hard calls. Alistair Clark has done it in the past with some of their aging premiership stars. Didn't get a lot for them. But there's still players with currency there. That, that Sam Mitchell obviously think maybe these guys aren't going to be at an next premiership side in four or five years' time. If we've got to bite the bullet now and get rid of one or maybe two of them to work ourselves up in the draft, then that's their best way of improving over the short term with getting the best draft picks possible. I can understand why he's done it. The only issue is if it falls flat and some of these guys walk back into uh, Waverley disgruntled and upset day one with the new coach. So things can go pear-shaped pretty quickly. I don't think they
1: will do that because I don't think Sam Mitchell, who obviously when he spoke to you last week, Mitch, I don't think Sam Mitchell's out there. I know it was reported that he was calling other clubs, and he he, he clarified that with you. But I don't I don't think they've been trying to desperately offload these guys. I thought if the deal was right, Mitch, and and stop yeah. me whenever you I'm incorrect here. The deal was right. Hey, we're looking to maybe move you on, and and that may have been to a Premiership contending side, which guys at that level of which we were talking about would probably appreciate. But I don't think it's like hey, we want you all out, and it's worked that particular way. And was the Giants? So the Giants were into Wingard, and Wingard just shot it down. That's that's how I yeah. read it. That's what happened. The way it was explained to me,
2: Cam, is it never even got to second base because it didn't get past. It got knocked on the head at first base. Mm-hmm.
0: So like Cam's love life. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> the Giants went to uh, Wingard's management and said, "Would this be an option?" They said no. So the Giants didn't even get in conversation with the Hawks, given yep. it didn't get that far. So the way it's been put to me is. Other clubs have been told by Hawthorne, you've got to deal with the players' agents right now. And most of these players are managed by Tom Petraro at TLA. You've got to deal with the agents before you even come to us because you've got to get the yeah. players tick off before you can get the, the talk from the club. I think the players might be open to, to certain moves or would look at it. But the, the rival clubs, before they even speak to Hawthorne, need to go through the agents first before it even reaches any conversation level with the Hawks.
1: And that's why I think, Adam, there's going to be no sort of you know disgruntled players go back because... Hawthorne haven't put any pressure on any of these players if they're not comfortable in moving. And Wingard's really the only one. It, O'Meara to Port Adelaide was raised last week, but I think Sam Edmond said today on Trade Radio that Port Adelaide haven't made any inquiries. Is that what you're hearing yeah. as
2: well? No, they, from what I've been told, they haven't made any inquiries. It would make, be the move that makes the most sense. The power near-next mm-hmm. from midfielder, he's gettable, um, and he's probably got that little bit more burst than, than Tom Mitchell and add something different to Ollie Wines and, and Willem Drew and these guys, but from the way it's been put to me, the power haven't shown any significant interest or any interest at all in Jager Ramirez, and it looks like he stays unless something bobs up real late.
1: All right, before we get out of here, Jordan Dawson. It's kind of gone a bit quiet the last couple of days. It's been reported that the deal on the table is the first round pick for next year, which is Melbourne's pick, and they are premiership favourites right now. So if they do what they did this year, that'll be pick number 18, of which is lower that Sydney already said no to. Is is this a legitimate pre-season draft chance? Is one of them going to buckle or they're going to hold their ground and Adelaide have to pray like all mercy that North Melbourne don't take him.
2: I think so. I think this is headed to the preseason draft unless Sydney blink and accept that. I can't see the Crows throwing too much else in. The offer this time last week was the Crows said they'll get the Bulldogs pick 17 and will swap uh, future third rounders. So the Crows are obviously going to finish a lot worse than, than Sydney next year. So that was probably a better deal than what's even in front of the Swans right now for Jordan Dawson. So Unless something comes up real late, I can't see this one heading anywhere else other than the preseason draft.
1: Is there any chance that Sydney can change his mind? Have they got the money, Tom uh, Papley? Tom Papley,
2: uh, I, I can't see that. But uh, the only the only might, factor might be if they would somehow try and move another player on. But yeah, I don't think
1: it'd be in Papley. Yeah, I'm with you, Adam. If I'm North Melbourne, I'm I'm taking him.
0: Like for the good, I'll take, take him as good. well. I'd take him in the pre-season draft. No, I meant um, the Tom Papley situation of last oh, year yeah. when he yeah, did no, a, yeah. a trade and then and then ended up going back to Sydney. So that could be a, an option for them. Hopefully they could smooth that over. But I would, if I was North Melbourne, I'd say, sorry, Jordan, bad luck. Because, tell, yeah. tell your manager you didn't get the deal done. You're coming to our club.
1: Well, you know what you can do, and we never see it, and it won't happen, and it'll end up at Adelaide. But what what they can do is that we're going to draft him you got 12 months to work a deal out, and then you can benefit your football club. You have a year of Jordan Dawson, who is an exceptional footballer, and then in 12 months' time, you've got leverage to be able to say, here you go, you want to go to Adelaide, we understand, but then you can make the trade. Now, we very rarely see it, and I understand why, and the kid wants to get back to South Australia, but you know what? Say, Jordan Dawson, here is whatever Adelaide's offered. We've got all this salary cap space. We're matching it, and you got 12 months for you and your manager to work out how you get back to the Crows next year. Well, North could do that. They've got salary cap room. But I think if they've got
2: to that stage, North would do the Crows a favour in in some other way. They'd throw in something else, you know, along the other way. I did check out what you raised on last week's show, Cam, about throwing in stipulations around contracts. Yep. I I think it's just financial terms. I don't think they can do that. But you never know. Clubs can get weird and wacky at this time of the year.
1: (laughs) If North Melbourne take him into pre-season draft, he has to spend... Three nights a week living Glenelg. It would be remarkable. <laughs> Hashtag um, after experts to get involved at 7 AFL. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, Trade God. You got a big mega trade
0: tomorrow for the trade radio fans? I'm running out of ideas, so uh, hit me up at Adam AdamKooning17 if you've got any ideas, because uh, I'm running dry. Right, you ran dry last Tuesday, and I do notice a lot of <laughs> people have been giving you certain ideas on your, on your
1: Twitter. A lot of constructive criticism coming your way. We are out of here, 48 hours left. We'll see you this time tomorrow night.